Imagine being so quirky, just so incredibly quirky, that when it comes time for a vote on a $15 minimum wage, the only way you can react to it is to curtsy and give a big ol' thumbs down to stick it to whoever it is you're sticking it to. Anyways, uh, welcome back to Lazy It Successful Podcasts. We have been on hiatus for a little bit because the uh, state of politics got a bit too deranged to the point where I didn't really know how to cover it anymore, if I'm being honest. Uh, I mean, like, what do you even say about some of these things? Like, oh, yeah, uh, a bunch of Trump supporters raided the Capitol and tried to kill people and tried to do things to government officials I legally can't even repeat on a podcast or personally can't even repeat like and that happened and it was bad like there's only so much you can say about that but anyways that doesn't matter um we're back we're ready to start talking about politics and the state of the world which is better state of the world is better it's not the best but we've made like little baby steps i mean the president of the united states isn't a giant orange uh clown anymore so that's a bonus we have someone who's competent in office We have a pretty competent government overall. We have competent cabinet positions. Uh, Stimulus checks went out. A bunch of really good stuff happened, and it was great. Uh, So State of the World is way better. That being said, is the State of the World the best? The answer to that is no, 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 it is not. We have not had a functional government for like four years of whatever the heck you want to call Trump's administration. And there's just been like... I I mean, things are getting passed, but, like, we literally are making up for, like, four years of lost progress, which, you know, you would think if we're making up for four years of lost progress, we're going to go big. We're going to do big things. We're going to do good things to make the world a much better place, to make the United States a much happier place. And you know what? Most people also thought, hey, we should do big things. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders tried to put a $15 minimum wage into the, uh, uh, I can't remember quite the name of the act, but the, the act that basically provided, uh, stimulus, uh, checks to the American people and was sort of the big coronavirus stimulus act that passed her budget reconciliation. And Bernie Sanders got up and was like, Hey, we should put a $15 minimum wage into this. And it passed the house with a $15 minimum wage. And then it hit the Senate and then all the hell kind of broke loose. Uh, so uh, talking earlier about being just so quirky, you have to curtsy and thumb down and thumbs down a minimum wage. Uh, that's exactly what Senator Kristen Cinema did. Uh, she gave a really dramatic thumbs down vote to the pro- to the idea of overruling the Senate parliamentarian to get a fifteen dollar minimum wage to get passed. And in the process, she actually like. Uh, apparently, like, as she was going up there, she actually tapped on Mitch McConnell's shoulder as she was getting up to the front, like, oh, look what I'm going to do. And basically what the problem comes down to is this. You have a Senate with 50 Democrats and 50 Republicans. And what's happening is month amongst those 50 Democrats, there are a couple... Uh, of them that consider themselves to be more moderate. And that's fine. That's kind of just the way things are. And that makes sense. 
but while considering themselves to be more moderate, they're also taking a mindset of, hey, since it's a 50-50 split Senate, we can potentially amass more political power, and we can potentially hold things up to get specific demands that we want. And by proving ourselves as unpredictable, we can make people try to do their best to convince us and get them to their sides. Because the reality is, if the Democratic Party wants anything passed in the current Senate, they need 50 Democrats to vote in favor of it. So that's how you get a situation like where Kristen Sinema uh, curtsies and thumbs down, curtsies and gives a thumbs down in front of the Senate. She thinks that she can paint a picture of herself as a moderate who is unpredictable. And in doing so, I, I think her hope is she can potentially get um, Republicans to try and court her to their side and can potentially force Democrats to try and make efforts to reason with her to get specific things she wants put into law. And in doing so, um, I, I guess the thought here is I can become more powerful. I can prove myself as unpredictable. Now couple things here. Does a 50-50 Senate, does there, in a 50-50 Senate, does the Republican side actually need someone like Kristen Cinema when the filibuster exists? And they don't. They can try and court people over to their side to, in theory, get legislation passed, but Democrats could just filibuster it, so there's not really a point there unless you're going for getting more than 10. So Cinema's doing this um, to Mitch McConnell and to other Republicans. And meanwhile, they're just really not caring about what she's doing. And they don't have any reason to care because they don't need her. They don't need anything she has to offer. That being said, um, the Democratic Party does. But it's not as though what she was doing was without repercussions. So, like I said, she thumbs it down and gave a curtsy in front of the entire Senate. And that was one of the I mean, there were a bunch of Democrats that voted against the $15 minimum wage. There were like eight or so, including Senator Manchin. Um, but none of them were quite as dramatic about it or quite as uh, rude about it is really the right word. She was she was very empathetic with her down vote. Very emphatic, I mean, with her down vote. And that didn't go the best for her in the grand scheme of things. So what she wants is, and the world she wants is one in which she only needs to care about the current Senate, only needs to care about how they view her. The problem is she's also responsible. Uh, she's also responsible with respect to her constituents, her constituents also want her to vote in certain ways to pass certain things and her approval with them matters because she needs it to win re-election again. And if she's not really courting any Republicans when she does that down vote, the result is she's actually just alienating Democrats and making them not want to vote for her and making them not want to support her. She's making her own she's making her own re-election infinitely harder for seemingly no reason. Um, at least to them, 
or at least no reason that could be viewed of as good or responsible. And she's yet to really give a good reason for that downvote either. She said something about it being sexism that she was getting uh, yelled at for this, but um, good luck trying to sell that to anyone who's alive or exists. So, current state of the Senate, 50-50 Senate, and there's a bunch of Democrats who are trying to be moderates and play both sides like Sinema is. So I think Sinema is the only one that's actually doing it in a really bad way and play, overplaying her hand a bit here. Um, even Joe Manchin, who get, got a lot of ire from people um, over his views for this, hasn't really quite gotten burned as badly as she has and seems to be more willing to cooperate with Democrats on certain things. And the main thing that there needs to be cooperation on, at least as of right now, is trying to eliminate the filibuster. And there's a couple of reasons for that, but basically what it comes down to is this. Democratic Party has pieces of legislation they want to get passed. The Republican Party doesn't have any pieces of legislation they want to get passed or any reason to pass legislation. What they have is a goal to obstruct. And they have a goal to obstruct because if they obstruct, then they prove that the current Democratic government is ineffective. So that's why, for example, um, you saw 50 Republican senators vote against the coronavirus stimulus checks. Because if 50 Republican senators vote against it, then that makes it look like it has no bipartisan support. It makes it look like the Democrats are, ram are ramming legislation through. And if they could block it from happening, more importantly, it looks like the Democrats are ineffective at passing legislation at all. So filibuster is important to the Republican Party because they can they can use it and abuse it on every Democratic bill. There isn't really a specific angle in terms of we don't want to support this legislation because of X reason. We don't want to support this legislation because of Y reason. The bottom line is they don't want to support legislation because they want to prove that the government can fail. And if they prove the government that can, fa can fail, that makes it easier for them to instill their own government and make like wide sweeping changes like try and pull a coup. Not to say the entire Republican Party is trying to pull a coup, but let's not pretend most of them aren't. So they want to prove government doesn't work. And the Democrats can't have the filibuster stay because if the filibuster stays, then none of their legislation can get passed. And there's certain pieces of legislation they have that need to get passed. The main ones are really H.R. 1, which is a voting reform bill, and the are also known as For the People Act, I believe. Um, statehood for Washington, D.C. is another big one. I don't necessarily know if that one would get passed anyways. I wish them the best of luck in trying to, to find 50 Democratic senators that are fully willing to support that, um, but they're going to try, certainly. And they're certainly welcome to try. And the third one is the infrastructure bill that they're trying to have passed. And the, the reasoning for passing that bill basically comes down to it's popular. And if Democrats can pass popular things, they prove that they can govern. The 
thing, though, that is probably most important of those three bills is the For the People Act. And the reason that one's most important is that the Republican Party is trying to push through very, very strong restrictions in states in which Trump lost. As we saw at the last election, they lost and they tried to claim that it was fraud. And they tried to overturn the election, at least in the House. The Senate didn't try to overturn the election, but I'll th- th- there's reasons for that. Um, in particular, related to the fact that a lot of uh, people in the Senate have been around there a long time, and they know how government works, and they probably know that the optics of trying to pass that are really, really, really exponentially bad. Um, far worse than any potential benefit they gain by actually succeeding in overturning the election. The House um, is more more new people in government who haven't been in there a long time and don't really, to be direct, know exactly how it works. And that's, I mean, that's probably fine. Not overturning the election, obviously, just not understanding how completely how government works. Like, I think most people, when they start in that House, probably are just trying to figure things out and understand how to do their jobs at the federal level, whether or not they've held positions in state senates or state houses or other positions. They're trying to figure out how the federal government works, and they think they can do certain things that may or may not be appropriate. But um, they, they, they have to learn at some point. I, I think they probably do learn at some point once they've been in there for long enough. But anyways, that's the main reason the House didn't have an issue with overturning the election, but the Senate did. Now... At the state level, that's also a lot of new government officials, especially as of more recently. The Republican Party has been doing huge pushes to try and gerrymander districts to flood state governments as much as possible because they think that will hand them elections, which kind of, I mean, even without like this like coup thing, um, they can still put certain people into certain roles for redistricting and keep the Republican districts gerrymandered such that they can win, etc., 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 so they're not really wrong about that, but anyways, um, morally wrong, not not wrong in terms of strategy and being completely immoral. But anyways, the Houses and the Senate at the state level don't have an objection to trying to overturn the election, and they probably want their, their mindset is more close to the House of Representatives. So of course, they're trying to pass all these different pieces of legislation that make it so that the... House and Senate can do different things um, to try and make elections more difficult for Democrats to win. And mostly those come by um, restricting mail-in voting, doing weird things with voting hour at voting hours, excuse me, in Democratic areas, um, making weird pieces of legislation like, hey, like you can't hand out water to people who vote. Um, in Georgia. And then there's the fourth uh, thing of some of these laws are basically stating, hey, the state Senate can overthrow an election if they really want to, because this power no longer rests with the Secretary of State. And all that's currently happening and is actively played out in Georgia. They've already passed a law that does all of those things, and more that I'm not going to mention here. So H.R. 1 for the People Act is designed to prevent that and designed to make it easier for those sorts of measures to not be implemented and additionally make it easier for people to vote. 
which nobody should really have a firm objection to. The Republican Party right now is a platform of nothing. If they have an objection to people voting, it's because they know they can't win if people are voting. It's really a bit of a weird situation they've trapped themselves in, but it's how they decide to conduct things and it's how they decide to turn themselves. Anyways, um, the Democratic Party wants this bill passed because they don't want elections to get gerrymandered because for two reasons. Um, one, obviously it's going to make the Democratic, it's going to make it a lot harder for Democrats to win elections if all of these are passed, because, you know, that's the point of the laws in the first place. And two, they don't really want to have the same kinds of issues that happened in January when the House of Representatives made their best effort to try and overturn the election. So they pushed through this legislation to try and fix that and make things better. Now, Like I said, the problem to all three pieces of legislation is the filibuster. And there's been a couple of ways folks have talked about doing that, about fixing that. Um, Reforming the filibuster is one, and that's become increasingly popular. Um, Trying to carve out an exception to the filibuster for voting rights is two, and that's also become somewhat more popular over time. Um, And those are the two things that people are trying to pursue. Uh, I guess the third one is there's an effort to try and court Democrats to the Republican side, but uh, sorry, sorry to court to recruit Republicans to the Democrat side. And I, I think that's possible to a point, but the reality is 57 people voted to impeach the president of the United States for inciting an ex- insurrection, only seven of which were actually Republicans. You're never going to make it to 60 with those numbers because uh, there's already 43 Republicans who think it's totally fine to just, like, you know, tell your supporters to freaking, like, break into the Capitol and try to murder people. So for 43 Republican senators think that's totally fine. So show me how you're going to convince three of those it's not. Like, seriously, show me or show anybody and then we'll believe you that you can actually recruit 10 to your side. Especially when Republicans only stand to gain from this bill not being passed. Uh, Never mind, like, moral perspectives on the whole thing. But anyways, basically, that leaves the two options. Um, And both of those options are being sort of uh, blockaded by people like um, Senator Kristen Sinema. And actually, at this point, pretty much just Senator Kristen Sinema, because every other senator at this point, just about, I think there's like one or two outliers, but... They haven't been vocal about supporting or not supporting, so it's 50-50 how they go. Um, Kristen Sinema is the only person who has explicitly stated, I will not reform the filibuster, and I don't want to change the way the filibuster works. I think at one point she expressed a very limited openness to making it a talking filibuster, which essentially is asserting that um, instead of the filibuster working the way it works now, which is 60, which is one Republican sends an email, or one Democrat sends an email, but let's be honest about who's filibustering. And once that email is sent, um, nobody needs to know who it is, I don't believe. Um, I think it's anonymous, but I can't quite recall on that. Um, But once that's sent, the requirement becomes, hey, um, you now need 60 votes to pass this legislation and overrule the filibuster. So somebody can threaten to filibuster, and that raises the voting threshold for legislation. And the reform being talked about with a talking filibuster is, instead of doing this... um, you would be able to talk on the Senate floor to prevent a bill from being passed, which, interestingly enough, is actually how most people think the filibuster actually works. 
most people don't know it's this weird email thing. Um, and you'd have to actually talk, and you'd have to talk for long enough to encourage debate on it, and then the thing will eventually get passed once you're, or get voted on, with a normal voting threshold once you're done talking. With maybe, like, 60 votes to end the debate period, or something like that. But naturally, most debate periods will end up ending on their own. So, talking filibuster um, is one of the reforms being talked about. The other reform is the uh, is just carving out uh, carving out something for uh, this bill or voting right bills to say, hey, we can pass these um, without sixty votes, like budget reconciliation, which can be passed via fifty votes. Because there's always certain exceptions carved out for the filibuster for various things, and the party in power over the past couple of years has always necessarily carved a new restriction out because things have gotten more partisan, and it's not really possible to pass their own legislation and push through their own appointees, the latter of which the Republican Party is concerned about, the former of which the Democratic Party is concerned about. But anyways, for either of these things to happen, there need to be 50 votes, and the people who were not expressing openness to this, namely Senator Sinema, need to vote in favor of changing these things. And Sinema, at one point, as I said, um, said a talking filibuster would be fine, but she's also said she's not even she she doesn't even favor the current filibuster. She'd like to make it more restrictive than it already is. So right now, she's the main functional blockade to any legislation getting passed. Um, since she's blocking the filibuster from getting reformed, so she's really making it difficult for the Democratic Party, and she hasn't really signaled that she's willing to uh, dial back or that she's willing to reform the filibuster yet, at least not publicly. You can infer from Biden coming out and saying the filibuster needs to be reformed that he thinks there's enough support to reform it and that cinema's mind will eventually change, but she hasn't came out and explicitly said anything on that front one way or another yet. So I guess the first thing to think about is can um, Senator Cinema actually block this um, from a legislature perspective? And yeah, she can. They need 50 votes to pass it. Second thing to think about is, is she going to want to block it? It depends on what the legislation is. Um, the, the thought is if the Republican Party is caught red-handed blockading this um, voting rights bill or something like D.C. statehood or something like the infrastructure bill, which are the three on the table right now, these are all very popular reforms, and if the Republican Party, if it is clear that the Republican Party is blockading these and not acting in good faith, that will convince Democratic senators that basically voting, not not voting to reform the filibuster, is equally as good as not voting for these things in the first place. So the hope is um, that Cinema can change her mind, or will change her mind when one of these pieces of legislation comes up to vote, but. I mean, $15 minimum wage is also very popular, so I don't necessarily know, that not necessarily as popular in Sinema's particular state, but still relatively popular, at least among the Democrats in that state, so I don't necessarily know if that would convince her. Um, the other option that exists, or the third thing that could happen, is that Sinema um, just changes her mind on the filibuster altogether. And there is one thing that could potentially cause this. So cinema is sort of taking a perspective of 
hi, um, I don't vote like other Democrats do. I'm special. I'm unique. I'm quirky. Whatever. You're going to have to convince me to vote the way you want me to vote. But the reality is that she's already tried doing that, and it's damaged her reputation amongst her district. As it currently stands, uh, her favorability rating has gone in the trash, and it's very unlikely that given the outrage against her, she's even going to be able to run for another term at this point. Essentially, if she has interest in her political future, she's going to need a lot of work to try and dial back from where she's been to try and make it so that she can actually pass or try and make it so she can actually be viewed as a functional Democratic senator. And in order to do that, she needs to not only be seen as um, willing to pass some popular popular legislation, she needs to be seen as a functioning uh, member of the Democratic Party, and she needs the support of the Democratic Party. So the reality is, Sonoma might vote for the filibuster just to save her own behind here, because right now she's kind of trashed herself inadvertently um, through her conduct. So if she essentially if she wants to win next time, um, the, the thought is she will probably change her mind on the filibuster, and I think she will. Then that leaves the fourth possibility, which is a bit, um, let's say, more interesting, which is essentially, does Kristen Sinema need to be a member of the Democratic Party anymore? Which, if she's taking a mindset of, I'm not going to pass popular things, and if her district voted for a Democrat, if her district wanted her to vote, for her to vote in certain ways, I'm wondering if the Democratic Party could even tell her, hey, start voting in line, or not only are we going to um, not support you at all, you're going to have to leave the party. You cannot be a member of the Democratic Party if you're going to continue voting in this way. And I, I mean, I, I looked a little bit into this at one point of, hey, can like a party, a political party force someone out of it? And I don't really think there's a clear answer on that because that's not really how party affiliation normally works. It's normally self-identified to a point, but I'm wondering if there's something that could be done by the Democratic Party to try and sort of just hamstring Sinema's ability to identify herself as a Democrat. And if that happened, um, it would potentially have some bad implications in, in the immediate case, which is control of the Senate would... Actually, I don't know what necessarily would happen with the control of the Senate, um, because her not no longer being a Democrat doesn't necessarily mean she's going to be forced to be Republican or she's going to want to be a Republican. She might go independent and caucus with Democrats, in which case nothing will really happen. But if she decides to caucus with Republicans, then control of the Senate goes back to Mitch McConnell, which is superficially bad. But at the same time, if the Democrats can't pass anything, once they have all their legislation that they want to have passed um, the next two years, such as through budget reconciliation, um, which have already used one of the few they can do, passed, and they know the Republicans are just going to filibuster everything, and they've pushed through whatever federal judges and whatever Supreme Court nominees and whatever Biden cabinet members they want, and they then tell Cinema, hey, go away and go caucus with the Republican Party, they basically have stuck things in a situation where the Republican Party now needs, now is going to be viewed as the ones obstructing everything rather than the Democratic Party. So rather than the Republican plan of um, 
rather than the Republicans' plan of showing the Democratic Party doesn't work, succeeding, and showing that when the Democratic Party governs, they can't govern, rather than that plan succeeding, what they end up doing is they end up taking the reins of government for themselves, at least until the next election, and they show that they cannot govern. And in that case, the Democratic Party can try to reclaim the majority in 2022 and use that as a campaign talking point and use it to try and, uh, rather than right now, where the Democratic Party has the appearance of a majority where they can pass whatever they want, but they can't, they flip it so that it's actually a Republican majority not passing anything and Biden trying his best to fix things. And then you basically end up creating a narrative where people are more encouraged to vote Democrat. And, you know, there's ways to get there without, um, without doing that. There's ways to push that narrative um, through media, and there's ways to push that narrative through campaigning or political advertisements or debates that the Republican Party is actually the obstructors here and push back against the narrative they're trying to push without going to such a drastic measure. But if Cinema isn't going to caucus with, if she isn't going to vote with Democrats and she's going to be a fake Republican, what is the point of keeping her in the party? And I think um, that... I, I don't think the fourth possibility here is necessarily something that we that anybody wants. But if that possibility is raised, that could easily be enough to force cinema to vote back in line. And I, I almost wonder if this is what. So um, very consistently, the Republican Party votes the same way on all bills. I, I almost wonder if this is literally what Mitch McConnell's playbook is, like messaging these people and being like, hey, you vote the way I want you to or you're done. And. I'm almost wondering if taking from that playbook, if that is even a part of his playbook, could convince her to vote in certain ways and convince her to actually try to do things in a way that benefits the party that she's a part of rather than hamstringing it. And really, it's ridiculous she wants to hamstring her political party in the first place, but she wants to hold a certain degree of power and unpredictability. She's literally worn a T-shirt that says Dangerous Woman a couple of times to Democratic Party to say, like, hey, you're not going to convince me how to vote. I'm a maverick. Um, kind of echoing, like, a drunken, incompetent John McCain. Uh, not that John McCain was ever drunken, incompetent, or not necessarily that Simona ever has. Just that she sort of has the image of a sloppy college student who hasn't cleaned up. Just in general, with how she run- how she's acted in the Senate or um, somebody who drank a little too much at the party and sort of uh, sort of isn't presenting herself necessarily in a way she's going to want to present herself in like the next day or whatever. No, no offense to anybody who's ever been sloppy drunk. It's just like, if you're going to act that way, why are you a senator? That's just my perspective on it. Um, and if you're going to behave in this way, why are you pretending to be a part of a party you're not actually a part of? But... Anyways, um, all of this blockading underscores something else, which is, um, and all, all these issues with Christian cinema underscore something else, which is, I, I think, I, I do not like where she is right now, and I don't think she's conducting herself in a good way in the Senate, but I'm pretty sure she's exactly where she wants to be in, with some respect. She wants to be the target of hate by the Democratic Party because she thinks she can use that in some way. And she thinks she can use that in some way to sort of, uh, boost herself up and sort of become like a 
like a magnet for the hate of the Democratic Party to convince Republicans to vote for her um, when she runs for re-election and try and convince independents to vote for her to show that she's not necessarily strictly a Democrat in a traditional sense and show that she's different. So I think cinema, more than anything else, um, thrives on this sort of sort of being viewed as the bad guy in this scenario. And yes, um, I think that is going to force her to reconsider her votes in certain ways because her constituents aren't going to like the fact she's acting in this manner and presenting, representing them in this manner. But at the same time, I think at least in the moment she did that or shortly after the moment she did that, she wanted to be viewed in that way. And I think she's going to try and run with this to a point. I don't think it'll take her anywhere. And I think she'll eventually end up voting the same as the rest of the Democratic Party and sort of come back to earth and not try and not not basically try and do unpopular things for the sake of doing unpopular things. But it's what I, I think she's going to try it. I think she's going to try and be a target of hatred for a little bit, even though that's not necessarily going to work out for her. And so what this underscores is a lot of these um, moderate, a, a lot of the moderates, not that being a moderate is a bad thing, but I, I, a lot of these moderates are sort of trying to play the villain because they want the media attention. They want the attention they want Republicans to vote for them. They want independents to vote for them. They want to be the bad guys. So the other thing you can do about that, if somebody's trying to be the bad guy, is just literally ignore them, which, funnily enough, is actually kind of happening with cinema. Because, you know, I, I, I said that, like, she hasn't come out um, explicitly against the filibuster. I, I said she hasn't come out explicitly in favor of the filibuster, but... In the past couple of weeks, she hasn't come out explicitly in favor against it either. Actually, she's kind of disappeared from the media entirely. She sort of seems to be in a timeout as far as the media is concerned. And I think with respect to how people get frustrated over the filibuster, as I've gotten frustrated over the filibuster in the past, to some respect, well, I think it's good to talk about these things. She should stay out of the... Um, she, she should stay out of people's minds to a certain respect because the reality is um she is at some point she's either going to be forced to fall in line or she's going to get kicked out of her party or face some other consequence or she's going to fall in line so the reality is it's only really a matter of time until she breaks so targeting her with strict with hatred strictly speaking it's only making her think she can prolong this. So, like, I, I said that I think cinema right now is sort of being uh, sloppy with how she's running herself and sloppy with how she's presenting herself in the Senate. I don't think I'm wrong about that. I don't necessarily hate her for anything that she's doing. I think she's stupid. Like, not that she's personally stupid, but that she's acting in and not... She's not acting in the most intelligent way for the position she's currently in in the Senate. But I don't necessarily hate her for anything that she's doing. She's just making a long stream of really bad decisions for inexplicable reasons. And I think that's the way to view her right now. Don't view her as like, oh, she's actually a Republican. She's some obstructionist. Because I think she only wants to be viewed as a Republican to the point that it personally benefits her. Or viewed as less Democrat to the point that it personally benefits her. 
But I don't actually think she wants to be a Republican, seen as a Republican. I don't think she actually wants to be a member of the Republican Party either or anything even like remotely along those lines. I think she just wants to be hated right now to a certain point. And she wants people to court her and people to feel like she has to court her and like she's a big obstacle, but she's really not. I, I think it's better to view her just as this is a person in the Senate who is not making good decisions, who is making very bad decisions, who is doing things that are not good. And there's no personal malicious reason as to why she's doing those things. She's just behaving in a certain way that doesn't make any sense. I I, I realize I'm rambling a bit here, but I, I, I guess mostly what I'm trying to say is don't hate her because to a point she wants to be hated. Ignore her and let her just like burn herself out of this for lack of a better term. Let her spend the time of being out of the public spotlight, of realizing what repercussions this is going to have on her political future, and her continued conduct is going to have her political future, and just let her sort of sit and think about that and come to whatever conclusions she wants to come to. And, you know, either she's going to vote the way she sh- the way people expect her to vote, or vote in a way that at least makes more sense and supports a little more popular things. Or she's not, and if she's not, then that's... She she can do what she wants to do. She may eventually not be a member of the Democratic Party for it, but she can eventually not be a senator for it, but she can do whatever she wants. That's the reality of it. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, those are my thoughts on the fun filibustery um, and cinema and moderate things going on over the past couple of months um i I should mention that uh i I think mansions all joe mansion's also been a target of a lot of hate and he's actually come around on the filibuster and sort of said i want to make it a talking filibuster and said maybe we need to reform this so i don't necessarily think targeting any more hatred towards joe mansion is good for anyone at this point he's he, he is coming to conclusions on things that genuinely make sense I think he's just acting the way he believed he should act. And you know, cinema is too, so... Eh. They're... They're both... They're, they're both warranted some decent level of respect. Um, I don't think cinema is acting competently, but I don't hate her, nor do I think anybody should hate Joe Manchin, or any of them, or any moderate Democrat, or... Really, anyone in the Senate to begin with, but that's a whole other... Excuse me, topic. Um... Yeah, so those are my thoughts on things going on over the past couple of months. Um, yeah, so it's good to be back after taking such a break. Um, and really that break was just because, like I said, things were going kind of wild with um, with politics. And to be honest, it wasn't really that fun to talk about anymore either. Things got very real and very bad. And that's why, like, there wasn't a podcast on the insurrection or anything like that, because that's a terrible thing that happened. And I don't want to, like, I I don't want to show you some weird spin on that or, like, show you some, like, weird political perspective on that for X or Y reason, because people died in that and it was horrible. And I don't want to talk about it, if I'm being honest. Um, But, yeah, expecting to be doing more of these in the future and looking forward to being back at it. So I want to give a quick call out. Um, We have a website. 
lazyetsuccessful.com, um, where we post different political articles, um, different news articles, different personal articles, travel articles, all sorts of different fun things. Uh, we also have merch now. Um, you can go to our website, lazyetsuccessful.com, and we have a merch page and links out to um, Amazon where we have it. And we have like a bunch of different... Well, we have a bunch of different things. We have crewnecks, we have sweatshirts, we have t-shirts. It's all good stuff. Um, so, yeah, thanks for tuning in. And I will see you guys next time. Bye-bye.